What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 72 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week is a truly special episode. I am on the road covering the Under Armour, Underclassmen, and Senior Games this weekend in Baltimore, Maryland. So in lieu of the usual episodes where Michael Ward and I discuss the latest happenings in high school lacrosse, I am bringing you an episode that is strictly about lacrosse recruiting. I have the coaches from Princeton, St. John's, Manhattan, and Detroit Mercy as guests this week because they did a Q&A at the ID Lacrosse Showcase a few weeks ago where they talked to parents and players strictly about the lacrosse recruiting process. You're going to learn information in this episode about how you get noticed, what it takes to get a college coach's attention, how you get them to pay attention to you at a lacrosse recruiting event, and most importantly, what the scholarship process is like. So if you have any questions about the high school lacrosse recruiting process, this is a must-listen episode for you. So, And this is probably an episode you're going to want to share with friends, family, players, parents, anybody you know who might have an interest in this episode. So please feel free to tweet, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you need to do because I feel like this is probably the most important episode that I have done so far and maybe ever. And without further ado, we're going to get right into the show. Thank you very much for listening this week. Um, now I'd like to introduce our panelists. Uh, Chris Colon has been at Detroit as an assistant and head coach for over a decade, uh, during which time the Titans have been regulars in their conference tournament, and Coach Colon played collegiately at Rutgers. Uh, Jason Miller has led St. John's Red Storm as head coach for over a decade and is the, the longest tenured head coach in the Big East. In 2013, St. John's climbed to his high as number 10 in the nation, and he's also served as an assistant coach at UMass and Army and played collegiately at Springfield College. Uh, Pat March is the assistant coach at Princeton in the Ivy League, and Coach March has previously been the offensive coordinator at Vermont and has also coached at Dickinson College, Division Three school in Pennsylvania, and was a two-time All-American at Roanoke in Virginia. And John Odierna, finished his fourth year as assistant coach at Division I Manhattan College in Riverdale, New York. And he was previously the offensive coordinator at Stevens Tech in New York and was an All-American at Gettysburg College. So I'll pose a few questions to start the discussion and then we'll take questions from parents and players. So um, first, coaches, we have players in Rising freshmen, sophomore classes, all the way up through rising senior classes today. Um, regardless of age or class year, what advice do you give players just beginning their recruiting process and college searches? Go down the row. Sure. You can go. We'll start over there. If you're just starting your recruiting process, I think you have to find out information about the schools and, and really find out some information about yourself and what you're really looking for. Are you looking for a school that's in a city? Are you looking for a school that's outside of a city? Are you looking for a school with 50,000 undergrad students? Are you looking at a school with 5,000 undergrad students or 2,000? Uh, what are you trying to study? Do what schools have those majors? And really cast a wide net. Find out things about the schools. Just don't pick the school because they have a lacrosse program but make sure that you're looking for something that you're going to study and you're not going to get there and want to transfer because you're overwhelmed and there's 50,000 students there and you wanted to go to a 2,000 student school. So I think really start your process by looking in the mirror and finding out what you want uh, yourself out of an institution and then start to look at those institutions that have lacrosse that, that are kind of what you want uh, and then kind of go from there. Reach out to the coaches, uh, see what kind of feedback you can get from them knowing that if it's a Division One school, we can't contact you back until September 1st of your junior year. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo that. Um, the, the sooner you guys have an idea of the things that are important to you, the easier time you're going to have with this process. And just to give you an example, um, I remember asking a kid one time, like, you know, what, what, what are your interests? Where do you want to study? And he said business. I'm like, well, man, what, you know, what kind of, you know, where do you want to go to school? He's like, well, the Northeast. And I'm like, well, that's good because you just narrowed it down to about 300 schools across all three divisions, right? So the sooner you can answer the questions um, that are important to you, the easier time you're going to have. 
And then the other advice that I would have um, for you is that understand that even for the guys that are freshmen in high school, that the process is starting now. It's already started. Um, not, not from the standpoint that schools are going to be contacting you about coming to play for that school, but at least in terms of what you're doing in school academically, that's going to be the real driver on where this all ends up when you graduate from high school. Um, and if you think that it doesn't start until I'm a junior in high school, you're wrong, right? Because the grades that you're getting in freshman high school and sophomore in high school are really going to determine which one of these schools you can get into, right? So recruitment doesn't necessarily mean coach picking up the phone and saying, hey, I want you to come to my school. Recruitment means what you're doing in school right now in a lot of ways is going to dictate the options that you have down the road. So understand that the process is starting and has already started now. Yeah, the only thing I would add is it's your process, right? Everybody's process is different. Don't compare your process to anybody else's. You know, we've had guys that have had success when they've committed after their senior year of high school or guys that have committed in September right after you're able to, to talk to them and everybody in the middle. So it's your process. Don't compare yourself and your speed and your process to anyone else's, um, especially uh, you know, on the East Coast, that's where a lot of people get really caught up in it. Where I'm from, Long Island, people are like racing to commit. Um, you know, it's, it's your process and you've got to feel really good about it. And, you know, one thing that I, we tell everyone is visit as many places as possible. You know, Coach March is saying, you got to know what you like. Well, you're not going to know what you like until you visit a bunch of places and you either say, I can really see myself here or I really can't see myself here. This isn't a place for me. And, you know, you got to collect that data for yourself. No one will know better than you. So. Um, you know, I, I would echo that and just make sure you take it on your own and it's yours. And one step further of that is, you know, when you do start to communicate with coaches, we want to communicate with you, the player, more than we want to communicate with your parents, right? You're the guy that is going to be coming into our office and discussing, hey, coach, can you walk me through the defense? Hey, coach, I'm not happy with this. Hey, coach, I need help with this or that. Uh, it's not always going to be, uh, you know, mom or dad can't come into the office and be like, hey, coach, playing time. I need more playing time. How do I do that? We want to hear from you and your process because you're the guy that we're going to be working with one-on-one -on -one for four years when you're on our campus. So, you know, it's yours. It's not anybody else's. And obviously there will be questions from parents and those are important. Um, but, you know, when you're really starting to reach out in the, in the infant stages of your process, we want to hear from you. We want an email from you. We don't want an email from your, your mom or dad saying, hey, my son will be here. Reach out to us. We want to know that you're reaching out to us and you're passionate about our school um, for whatever reason. So that would be my piece of that. Or your, your mom's email, but it's from you. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, with just saying it another way, as you continue to do things in your recruiting process, whether it's prospect days, events like this, uh, team tournaments, make sure that you are constantly narrowing because you can really get caught. And your parents, you can spend a lot of money kind of at that certain level of your funnel because there's always someone pulling a little carrot in front of you. Make sure that you're being disciplined and always narrowing it into kind of a couple options as, as you go through your process. Um, in terms of recruiting needs, how do you decide your lacrosse needs by position uh, for a given recruiting class and how do you evaluate players on the field? Uh, in, the, <laughs> in the Ivy League, there, each school has a certain amount of slots. Uh, each, each school will depend on what position they're going to you know, recruit. They may take three, you know, necessarily three attackmen or three defensemen. Uh, that's really going to be up to kind of that individual school to choose. But it's definitely narrow. And you want to be, I think, very pointed in your communication with a coach for example, I'll use the position of goalie, okay? If you see on inside lacrosse that said school that you want to go to has a goalie committed in a class, then you need to reach out to that coach and say, hey, you know, I really want to go to your school, but are you taking another goalie? Uh, and, and you can at least get that feedback because you don't want to chase that school if they're not going to take another goalie with a spot. Uh, so I think kind of communicating early on or at, at the earliest point that you can uh, on, you know, is there a spot left for you? Is there, you know, are they taking a left-handed attackman in said class? Because I think that every school is, is pretty pointed at who they're, they're getting. Uh, really, you know, you have guys leaving as seniors, they're trying to replace certain, certain guys. 
I think it goes more down to the, the God on this truth is there's a lot more of you guys than there are spots on the teams, right? So you're trying to get a limited resource of, of situation. So you, you have to look at, you know, we're an engineering business school. If you want to be a teacher, you probably shouldn't come to Detroit Mercy, right? So there's a lot of things that the academic side, the human being that you're going to be as you, you know, you're going to be in college for four years, we kind of take a look at tactical engineering business, uh, you know, pre-law and sciences, those are the kids that we look at uh, versus kids that want to do liberal arts stuff. We're just not that good of a school. So that's number one. So if we're going to find an attack, then we want them to, to be strong ac academically. Uh, their, their mind is being, you know, they're, they're doing what they like. And, and uh, we're also offering a total experience for them the whole time. So uh, with what he said and, and, you know, looking like right now I have, a, I was talking uh, earlier, I've got a very young goalie crew. So we're not looking at goalies. That's just the way it goes. So you have to do your research there, and then you have to also do the research in, in what kind of program you want uh, academically. And uh, hopefully you can match up. A, uh, that's going to be more on you guys than it is on us uh, to kind of find, okay, there's a spot. Uh, that, you know, if there's 30 attackmen on a team, probably not a smart thing. It might not have the academic program that you're looking for. Those are all the little things that you guys have to do along the way. Um, so you know, there's a bunch of you know, left-handed attackmen that are great, wouldn't you say? A lot <laughs> yeah. of great ones. But we want good human beings that, uh, you know, are, are good and they're not going to, you know, light couches on fire and things like that. Uh, uh, you want great players on the field and you want kids that are academically um, going to push themselves. So a lot on, on them. And, uh, I, I hate alwayses. I don't like, I don't like always. Um, the minute I say... I'm not going to recruit any more 2020 goalies. I'll probably regret it. Um, and, I, and I think over my time, I've just always learned that if I have an opportunity to make my roster better, I, I like to have the wiggle room to do it. Um, you know, the Ivy League has uh, restrictions on the number of spots you have. Some teams have roster caps that we have to work under for maybe gender equity reasons or whatever. We're capped at the number of spots we have. Every school is going to be different in terms of the limitations that they have. Um, I can tell you as best as I can, I try to um, leave myself as much wiggle room as I can. And, you know, the minute I, the minute I say I'm only going to bring in two midfielders, I'll regret it. I know it. The minute I say I'm not going to recruit a goalie that year because I already have three on my roster, I know that I'll regret it. Someone's going to break his thumb. Someone's going to have a class on a Tuesday, and what's three goalies is all of a sudden one, and I can't practice that day. So. Uh, I always like to have a wiggle room to improve my roster if I feel like there's an improvement out there for me to get. Um, but I do have to operate within a cap, and that cap is usually where I start in determining how big my recruiting class for any given year is going to be. Great, thanks. We've talked about academics. Um, we've touched on academics. How important are academics in your recruiting processes, and how do you use transcripts, test scores, to narrow your recruiting pool and build build your class? All right, well, we'll have the Mac guy do the academics <laughs> over uh, Ivy. Um, anyway, so uh, academic stuff. Big thing that we're looking for is guys that are go-getters in the classroom, right? If we're always chasing school when we're at college, you can't focus on beating Virginia if you can't focus on your math homework. And you know, for us, uh, our goal is to always try to find the best students possible so that the more dialed in we are away from practice, the more dialed in we'll be at practice is kind of our thoughts. And, and what we've found in our time, uh, you know, our best students a lot of times are our best players, and they're just guys that know how to work. And obviously, uh, you know, when you get to college, it's going to be different scheduling. You know, a lot of guys, I was a public school guy. I never had a, a day in high school where it'd be Tuesday and I didn't have class and I could literally do anything I wanted all day until practice. You know, you will have those days in college. So we will give you the tools when you arrive uh, to structure your day and, and manage your time. Um, but academically, we are looking kind of to what Coach Colin was saying. Uh, you know, we have, we're a big business engineering school as well. You know, we're looking for guys that are interested in some of our strength programs. We do have other things. Um, but generally, those are our, our niche programs. So, um, you know, guys that are interested in those generally will kind of rise to the top because they're one of many on our roster rather than one of one or two. Um, so they'll be kind of working on similar schedules and similar course loads with a lot of guys. Um, and then sort of how it works, I know you, you kind of touch like the test score GPA stuff. Um, you know, I know the 
the Ivy League, and Coach Marks will put this on a platter for you. You can maybe touch the academic index. We don't really work on an index. Everybody's treated as an individual. Um, and, you know, that's a little bit of a sliding scale. You know, you might be a really strong student. Well, they might give you a little wiggle room on your test score because you're not quite as good a test taker. Or maybe you didn't have your greatest freshman year of high school, so your GPA is not great, but you're on an upward trend. You'll hear us say that all the time about your academics. Upward trend is key. You're making improvements. But maybe you didn't do great that first year, but your test score is off the charts. It's really high. Um, and, you know, and part of that, I don't want to totally go down the rabbit hole, but some of that, some schools, they do have academic scholarships. And the better you do, the more you get in a lot of situations. So, um, you know, I won't, I won't dive into the depths of that one. But, uh, you know, institution to institution, it's different. Some have the academic scholarships. Some don't give them out. So that's another question to ask. But at the end of the day, the better you're doing, usually the better your situation will be also. So. I don't know if that yeah. I mean, I, I would just say like there's two there's two things that you have to consider when you're talking about academics. The first one is your admissibility to any particular institution, and that's going to vary between all schools. Some schools are going to have higher standards than others. Some schools are going to vary depending on the strength of the program. But that that's one side of it. The other side of it is the eligibility piece, um, where you know, you have to have certain grades just to be able to play Division One or Division Two sports, right? And if you don't have those grades, regardless of what the school's admission standards are, you're not eligible to play. And, you know, I'll just, I'll give you an example of how the two can come together sometimes. Um, one of the best freshmen we have coming in was a non-qualifier to play Division One lacrosse when he was graduating from high school. He's got a learning disability. He failed two math classes. He didn't have enough math credits to be eligible to play Division One lacrosse, right? He's a 1,200 SAT kid. He's a really bright kid. He's got a learning disability, struggled in school. He went and did a postgraduate year. Because of his learning disability, he can replace two courses in a postgraduate year, and he became a qualifier and he got an academic scholarship to attend St. John's University, right? That's a home run for me from a recruiting standpoint, right? That's a legitimate player that could not play Division I because he didn't have enough math credits, but he's a 1,200 SAT. So there's an academic side to the admissions part, and there's an academic side to the eligibility part, and they got to meet in the middle. So on both cases, really, really, really important. Yeah, academics, I think, the most important thing is for all of you to challenge yourself individually you know take classes that are challenging to you and, and rise to that challenge you know what i'll say is if you have a 4.0 or 4.2 in high school you're gonna have a lot of doors open for you if you're high board scores every school is going to be looking at you some schools may even, may even give you money uh you know to go to school there if you have a 2.0 there's not going to be many schools you know not many doors open for you you know it might be in 20% of the schools may let you in, okay? So try and do as well as you can academically and then find schools that have a fit, uh, you know, that fit you. You can do the research and what the average student gets into each, you know, <coughs> institution with. Uh, and the other thing is I'll say is take your college application seriously, okay? It is not just putting your name on a piece of paper, you know, mailing in the essay and, and, and writing down some words. Actually take time. It should be the best essays that you've written your entire high school career. Should be the ones that you put in your paper. You are basically a job interview. You're trying to get into that institution. So make sure you do your best work when it, on that application. Uh, and, and just challenge yourself in school. And you know, your grades will fall where they fall. Yeah, and just because we always focus on the high achieving. Uh, one of my favorite recruits of my entire life who I had to let go to Mercyhurst because of dyslexia and uh, uh, maybe three things that U of D couldn't handle. Uh, uh, and the kid did great. I think he was a captain for Mercyhurst, and he's graduated. He's got a great job in Detroit. The kid that struggled in school, there are, there are options for folks that uh, have those kinds of situations too. So don't always think because you're not a 4.0 student or a 3.5 student that you're not going to have options. Some of us have those issues too, and, and we do OK in life. So. I'll make one really quick point on that too. Another good question to ask is if the school can support you through admissions. So a lot of times uh, for athletics, you can actually be, you know, Coach March touched, yeah, do the research to the average numbers. There are times where schools will be able to admit students that are under those marks, but in the same ballpark 
um, you know, if the coach has the power to support you through admissions. So just because you go online and see, well, the average student is a 1280 SAT, I'm not that, so I can't go to that school. That's still a question worth asking and, and see, well, you know, I'm at a 1190, are you still able to help me out with being admitted to the school? And sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no. So touch that. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. And two, if a, if a coach is, or program's really interested in you, one of the first questions they're going to ask is for your transcripts and test scores um, and senior classes or junior classes, depending on what year you're, you're heading into. So, you know, the end of an academic year right about now, um, advice I'd give is print out your, you know, ask your guidance counselor for your updated transcript or print it out if you can online and have a safe PDF version of your transcript on your computer. So if the coach does reach out to you, um, you knowing that that's going to be a question they're going to ask and you having that ready on hand to send and um, allowing that coach to do an admissions pre-read with their admissions office or their compliance office um, is going to accelerate, accelerate the process um, a little bit more than, um, you know, waiting, having to go to your guidance counselor, uh, you know, and waiting a few weeks. So. Again, I'd recommend just have that saved on your computer for that time because it's that time's going to come whether it's you know the summer or in the fall or in the winter, depending on on your process. The coach is going to ask for your transcript very likely at some point. Um, last question I'll ask before we um, open it up to to you guys for questions is campus visits. How important is the campus visit both for recruits and coaches? And what advice would you give a young man who's scheduling his first college visits, um, and how to use campus visits in your recruiting process? In general, I'd say the more the better, um, because every time you go to a place, uh, it helps you narrow down, as Coach was saying, um, the things that interest you. Um, you can go to a place and hate it. That helps you, right? Uh, what did I hate about that place? Well. I may have hated it for a lot of different reasons, but the next time you go to a place that's kind of like that place, you, you probably hate that place too. So you, you narrow down the things that are important to you every time you go to a place and you visit. And it doesn't take much to do it. You can walk across campus and kind of get a vibe for what that place is like. Um, but I would encourage you to see as many places as you, as you can get to. Um, and it doesn't have to be a official visit or an unofficial visit. It can be, I'm driving through New York, I'm gonna swing by Manhattan College and just check it out. Um, th th every time that you do something like that, it helps you, it helps you. And the prospect clinics that Coach was talking about, that's another great avenue um, to do that. Um, there is a cost involved with it, but you know, um, like I said, every time you go to a place, it helps you, right? So the cost ends up being worth it sometimes. Um, but I would encourage you to see as many different places and as many um, different types of places as you can, right? Um, St. John's University is a drastically different place than Princeton University or, um, you know, a lot of different places, right? So um, city places, rural places, big schools, small schools, Division one schools, division three schools, uh, expose yourself to as much as you possibly can because every time you do, it helps you. Thanks, Coach. I'll pick up real quick on that. Coach just touched like the prospect clinic thing. I think that's a big one for us. Generally speaking, before we recruit or commit a guy, they'll have been on our campus a, a few times. It's never just one time and that's it. So. Um, you know, and that might be to visit with us once, that might be to visit with us and then come back, that might be at a prospect camp, that might be uh, you're at camp and then you come back a week later or you want to come back in the fall when students are on campus, whatever it is, you know, I think it's really important that you're really comfortable with where you are. Um, but the prospect camp thing, just to kind of touch that, you know, there is a cost associated with it, it's an NCAA rule, but where I think the value in that is, you know, there aren't a lot of opportunities to be coached by those coaches before you get to that school. So, you know, you might go to a prospect camp at Manhattan and be like, man, you know, campus was great, but, you know, Coach Arderna didn't stop giving me high fives. It was kind of annoying, you know, and you got to be armed with that information, you know, and I think that's where, um, you know, those are valuable. If there are schools you are interested in, those are a really good opportunity to get on a campus, maybe for a coach or a staff that hasn't seen you play. You know, we have 
42 guys on our roster, and I would say a third of them are guys we had no idea who they were, and they showed up at a prospect camp. And we were like, oh, wow, who's that kid? And obviously he's interested because he showed up at our camp without us asking him to be here. So, you know, I think those are, those are really valuable. So I just wanted to touch that yeah. also. And on, on another note on that, for, let's say you go to Manhattan Prospect Day, and that's where you spend your money. And, and they do a really nice job with it. If they bring in 60 kids and, and, and four kids are committed out, four to five kids are committed out of the 60 kids that show up for a Prospect Day, it's a pretty good ratio for the uh, situation, even though probably all 60 have an interest. The good news is after you've gone to Manhattan, you can kind of say, well, okay, if I like that kind of school and if Manhattan isn't interested, okay, Manhattan and, and Detroit are kind of similar academically, similar schools, same conference. Okay, you just plop the similar situation down in Detroit. It's kind of a similar situation in Manhattan. And might be the same situation at Fairfield. Might be the same situation in Jacksonville. All schools that kind of have the same amount of students, religious-based, uh, you know, some of them have business schools, some of them have engineering, some of them have whatever. So you can learn, even if that one school doesn't give you exactly what you want from that prospect day, then you have to take that information and try to apply it in that little different context. So. Thanks, coaches. What questions do you have as players and parents? That was pretty, that was a good follow-up. Yeah. You guys have mentioned engineering a few times. got the two Great schools question. you've got two schools that actually let you do it on at the table a, a lot of schools well you guys let guys to be engineers be honest i don't know <laughs> no i think that it's I, hard. I'm, a lot of guys a lot of guys we don't have it we don't have it right but I'll, I'll tell you this i could rattle off 50 really good lacrosse programs that have engineering you know what i mean well, do they let the guys do it yeah the united states military academy engineering united states naval academy engineering you can do it like lehigh lafayette like uh there's a lot of really good engineering schools out there where you could be an engineering major and play lacrosse. There's a question, though. That's a question to ask a coach. How many? You really need to look at how many engineering majors do you have on your roster? Because I found that it is difficult. Let me tell you, engineers, uh, just like pre-med guys, um, you, you're, you're, if you're going to be an athlete, um, you've got athlete, education, and social. That all three of those to be successful at all three is very difficult. If you're doing one of those kind of pre-professional programs, you're going to have to give up one of them. That's just after a long time of doing this, uh, you have to be very dedicated about your schooling and very dedicated about your sport. It's very, it's difficult to be good at, at all three of those. So pick, and I would say that's if you can make those choices in your life, you'll be okay. I don't want the business guys out there thinking they got smooth sailing no, ahead of them either, right? Up. Because. Because the reality of the situation, and I think one thing that, that we don't talk enough about that you guys totally overestimate in this process is that this is a real grind. Yeah. Like playing college lacrosse, Division three, Division one, whatever it is, it's a grind, okay? You got, you're in the weight room, you're gonna have to do study hall, you're gonna have to practice, you're gonna have two to three classes a day, you're gonna have some extracurricular stuff that you have to do to be on the lacrosse team, whether it's community service or career development, or internship hours, or it is hard, right? It is hard. And the guys, they can embrace hard, whether they're engineering or pharmacy or business or whatever, are probably gonna end up doing well, okay? And they can really get in there and grind it out day in and day out. Those guys probably have a better chance to be successful than, than anybody. And I think that's across all majors, right? There's always gonna be some that, you know what? Engineering is really, really hard, right? And at that school, that engineering program might be a little bit harder than the engineering program at another school. That that all works itself out. I think you got to be ready to grind no matter what you're doing. Good point. I think I'll just add real quick to that too. And you know, I played Division Three, and I now coach Division One, and I coach Division Three too. The questions you got to ask a little bit are, you know, what's the schedule based on the time of year? Division One is a little bit more structured in the fall or out of season. We can do. We can basically do something with you almost every day for the entire year if we if we choose. And you know, like Coach said, that's a grind. It's a grind for the for the players. It's a grind for the coaches sometimes. You know, and I think you got to ask those questions. Some Division three schools, there are limits. You can only have 16 practices in the entire fall, and the coaches can choose when they do them. Uh, Division one, we have hour limits based on certain times of the year. So um, those are definitely questions to ask. Um, and one step further with the engineering or anything asking, when do you practice? Does it change based on the time of year? You know, I know for us, we practice in the morning in the fall, but in the spring, we practice in the evening. 
um, you know, and, th and that is, in, is us adjusting to the class schedule, the rigors of certain classes and certain majors at certain times. So um, all really good questions to ask when you visit. And that'll be totally different school to school. What Coach does at Detroit with engineers might be 100% different than what we do at Manhattan with engineers, which could be 100% different than what Army does with their engineers. So just make sure that you're asking school to school questions like that. And, you know, what basically how do you set these guys up? How do you set your guys up for success if they want to chase this? That was a great question, Christoph, and I'll ask too as a follow-up, do admissions standards change by academic program? Like, so for example, if you have a recruit who is interested in major X and it's a lower admission standard, but you have a student who wants to be an engineer, um, will there be tougher standards as a recruited athlete, potentially? I would say that's gonna vary by institution. Um, our school is a big school. There's 18,000 undergraduates. There's 96 different programs of study. The finance and the Tobin School of Business is probably a 1,200 plus SAT score. Some of the other programs, sports management, right, maybe over 1,000 um, to get you in. And we can transfer kids that are in sports management into finance after a year. So uh, it's going to vary um, depending on the school. And those are all really good questions that you should ask as you're, as you're going in. Other questions? Yeah. So like in the recruiting process, is there, ever, is there a point where it's too late to start looking at that? Like I'm gonna be a senior this year and I've never done anything before this summer. Like is that is that too late or like what do you have to do to catch up to everyone that's been doing that since their freshman year? Great question. I, I would say for some it's too late. I would say for others it's never too never say never. Um, but you got you gotta get going. Um, and and uh, if you have a list of places, I would I would tackle that on a case by case basis, and those guys will tell you, you know where they're at, and then you got to go from there. And things with this transfer portal and everything, things are changing a little bit with the late guys. I think you know, let's say uh, you know uh, a defenseman transfer, you know, goes on the transfer portal and is gone. Well, if you're a defenseman that, and I'm a senior and I haven't done much, maybe that coach now has an interest. So, or a spot. Or a spot. So that's where you need to, you know, you, you can always, you know, throw some, throw at the dartboard a little bit, but you got to do something, right? You got to do it. And sometimes you're going to get told no, and other times you never know where it's going to go. You can't just let, hope that it comes to you. Right. You know what I mean? You, if you want to play, you got, you got to be proactive a little bit, and you got to have a list of places that you're interested in, and you got to pick up the phone and bang out some emails and, start the process, right? Because if you wait for the process to you, it might pass you by. You know what I mean? And I'd add also on the four, whether it's Division One or Division Three, oh, mainly Division Three. typically um, the more academically selective a school is or the more competitive a pro lacrosse program is, the earlier the process is going to start and end. Um, there are Division Three schools that ask for commits in August or September. Uh, before students senior year or even July um, there are some schools that are still recruiting kids in March and April and even May sometimes um, so understanding the differences and asking the coaches as coach Miller saying on the front end of what is you know this is who I am this is why I'm interested in your school what's your timeline um, that's going to give you a lot of info to move forward uh, with the schools that are good fits for you yeah I see. The more information, the better. Name, your actual name, uh, your transcript, your grade year, your grad year, your position, um, everything that you can possibly put in there. Transcript, board scores, as much information, highlight film that you can give us in a snapshot, your summer schedule, your spring schedule. Uh, as much information as you can give to us, the better. And it's actually really important for us now with, with the recruiting rules being contacted at September 1st of your junior year. If you're a younger guy in the room, you can still send that email. We can still read the email, we just can't respond to you. So if you know, you're looking at one of our institutions and you're a sophomore in high school, you can send us your transcript, you can send us a highlight film, you can send us all that information. We just can't email you back. If you get anything back, it's gonna be general camp correspondence. 
So know that as well, too. It's not, you know, it's not like, hey, Coach X, Y, and Z is really blowing me off. They're not emailing me back. It's because we can't email you back until September 1st of the junior year. But you can still send us the information, and I can probably say for these guys, they read the information. You know, whether you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, they may, they're going to at least put it in a folder uh, or read the information and, and, and take, you know, take notes on it. Um, I'll, sorry, Pat. Yeah, I'll, I'll add something to that. One thing, at least for me, and I don't know if you guys will agree or disagree, the more you can streamline that information, like if you don't, if, don't write like a 30-page novel with like paragraphs, a lead, an intro, and some body, and then some closing remarks, like I like to think of recruiting emails as who, what, when, where, why. Like who are you? Where are you playing? When are you playing? You know, what number are you? Give me the facts. And, you know, we get uh, different schools. I'm sure Princeton gets plenty of emails. We all get emails from guys that are interested in our schools. The ones that are novels and marathons, I'm trying to dig and see the pertinent information. But, man, I'm not going to spend five minutes trying to uh, get through an email when there's another guy who hits me with, like, here are the bullets. Here's who I am. Here's where I'm from. Here's why I'm interested. You know, don't email me and say, Hey, Coach Miller, I'm really interested in Manhattan because then I'll just forward that to Coach Miller because yeah, you meant to email so that, St. That, John's. Yeah, you get, I ain't forwarding it to anybody. It's going right in the trash. Yeah, you get what you just said? That's <laughs> if you send me an email, say, hey, Coach Cologne, I'm interested in Detroit, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing it right in the trash. Yeah, that happens at least once a day to me So because kids are doing the blanket thing. So when you're bulleting, it's about, you have a better chance of not screwing up that information. I mean, I, I like if it. I mean, if you haven't taken the time to realize that Jason Miller is the coach at St. John's, and you're sending me that email, right? If you're sending a mass email and you haven't taken the time to, you know, dot your eyes and cross your t's, so to say, not the best first impression, right? And I get a lot of emails, and I think coach is right. Like I think quality over quantity. You know what I mean? Less is more. Like you mean who you are, where you're from, what your grades are, what club team you play for, what your high school coach is. Here's his numbers. And here's my video, and and send it. And then the last part, the why, like I'm emailing you because I'm interested in St. John's for this program. You know, that to us is a little bit of investment on your end. Well, he invested, he did research, he's interested in my school. I'm going to make a point to go watch him if I'm at a place where I can see him. So. Calling? Kids don't call anymore. Calling is the best thing in the world. When was the last time? You know, it used to be the best. It used to be the best when thing it, in the world. When does it, have you I can't the talk to you. Even if you're unless you're a junior in high school, yeah. I can't talk to you anymore, right? So if you're a sophomore and, and you call my office and you're so fortunate that I answer the phone, which I never do, right? <laughs> um, that used to be really good because you could get we could have a conversation at that point. But now that kind of, that would be like, what year are you? Well, if I'm not a junior in high school. I can't talk to you, I'm sorry, right? So I think email is still the best way, the fastest way, the most efficient way. Um, I have one thing to add on the email too. Do you guys get the emails from like the recruiting stuff sometimes? Please, we, I would rather you send an email from your personal email uh, than be like so-and-so from this recruiting service thinks you're a fit for my program. You know, like, I, I, uh, uh, yeah. not, to, not to like put those down, no. but I would rather get like a direct email from you to me, that shows more interest um, than, like, I want an email that has not, you know, an email from a service where I click on 50 schools. I don't say anything direct to any of those schools, and I know I'm just on a list. That's yeah, I mean, saying. for me, just understand that you're you're, go, you're all going to the same spot, okay? Whether whether you email me directly or if you've hired a, a service that's going to do all that for you, that's fine. That's your prerogative, but. You're all going to go to the same place. It's have have we seen this kid play? Have we not seen him play? If we haven't seen him, these are the events that he's going to be at that we're going to be at. And whether you sent it or the recruiting service sent it, you're all you're all going to the same to the same spot. And whether you guys decide to make that investment is entirely up to you. I do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching everybody. Um, probably more focused on 2020s, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little liberal in my evaluation of 2021s right now. And, and most of those guys are going to be guys that we're going to try to see again. So whether you're from Minnesota or whether you're from Long Island is, is really irrelevant. We, we want to have a good, healthy 2021 list that we can 
you know, say I saw that guy, I thought he's really good, and maybe someone else has seen him, and that's great too, or we need to see him again. Um, but I think, I mean, the recruiting process for us never ends, right? And if there's a 2022 that jumps off the page at me, I'm definitely writing it down. So just kind of watching and which, no, which pile you go too. into. I mean, I've been coming here since, what, 2015? Yeah. I mean, you see kids multiple. You see them get taller. You see them get better. You see some kids that they've kind of lost it a little bit. I mean, yeah. And then typically for me with the Minnesota kids, because I, I watch a lot of Minnesota kids, uh, then we typically will see them at other, in other situations, typically high school on film and then some of the other travel team stuff. So I like seeing this kind of scenario, travel team scenario, and high school scenario. So and I, it's fun to watch kids. And these are really cool because you can see guys here and then see them, someone else will see them later at the summer at a tournament or a showcase or uh, in a club event or something like that. And, you know, that assistant will come back and say, hey, I saw that kid from Minnesota. I'm like, oh, I saw him at the ID yeah, yeah. showcase. Now it's cool. Now we've had two sets of eyes on that kid instead of just one. Is this something that you do keep notes of year over year? Oh, yeah. 2022, Yeah, and there's a lot of ways that you can do that. You guys can hire recruiting services. We can hire uh, data management companies that allow us to keep software and online databases and stuff like that. So you can make an investment to make your life easier. We can make investments to, to make our life easier and gives us a way of tracking guys over time. Yeah, you had a question. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll just say this is going to be a really overarching statement. Coaches evaluate literally everything. Yeah. Like I evaluate the way you, you come off the field after a bad play and spike your water bottle. Like I literally am evaluating everything. And I could be coach just said social media. Yeah. We're not going to offer anybody until we Google them and see what they're promoting in their personal brand. So I would be pretty smart with what you're posting because there are literally, you know, we say to guys on our team, when you're trying to go for a job, there are literally companies that are hired to dig and find stuff that makes you look bad. And, you know, your first sort of training at that is, what am I putting out in my unprotected Twitter feed? And I'm retweeting a bunch of stuff that maybe isn't what I should be promoting. And coaches are going to be asking themselves, do I want this as part of our program? And, and you know, I don't know. I would just say that we're evaluating everything and, and you know, are you the guy that comes off the field or got your teammate scores and you run over, you're the first guy to dap them up and be like, yo man, that was a sick shot. You know, we evaluate that stuff. That's positive to me, even though you didn't make the play. You know, so I think, uh, I don't know if there's one, there's, there's a variety of things that would cross you up a list, but we're evaluating, I think, literally everything. I think it's good. I think, um, I, I hate always. What's the one thing that will always there is none. I never say never, right? But um, I think I think we got to understand that you guys are kids, and kids are going to make mistakes, right? And and we're all going to have different thresholds of when enough is enough. Um, you know, I've had some really great players that people have warned me. You know, I'm a fool if I take a chance on that guy, and I took a chance on him, and they never made me regret it one time in four years, and they were great kids and played their asses off, and I'm so glad that I extended them the opportunity to learn and to grow up, right? And then there's been other guys where it's like, you know, he's, he's a dope. No way. Absolutely not. And, you know, I, I like to leave the discretion on, on when I feel like enough is enough, you know? I'm a big wiggle room guy. Like wiggle room. <laughs> Thanks, Fish. Yeah. I think all schools are going to value the standardized test differently. Uh, I think that the NCAA has a way of leveling the playing field eligibility-wise, where a certain ACT score would be the equivalent of the same SAT score. They do that for us. Um, but I think whether you value SATs or ACTs or both or neither is going to be an institutional decision. I would say take them both. Yeah. You know, some, some kids seem to do better on an ACT than they would on an SAT, so I'd definitely take both, both tests. Yeah, I'd take, just to add on to that, being coming from a Division three background, there are some Division three schools now that are test optional too. So you take both. Numerous times, and you don't do well. You can still, the Division One level, you still have to pass the clearinghouse through the eligibility center, and that's still required for NCA rules. But there's some colleges now where you can play 
Division three lacrosse and not have to report your, your test scores. So again, it, it varies by institution. Is there questions? So they specifically look at that in terms of GPAs because the GPA can be uh, adjusted if they take uh, like AP classes and so um, college classes might give you a B rather than you can get an A. Am I doing the visual? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, what, what is he doing? SAT score grants, a sliding scale. Yeah. Are you dancing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, Institution by institution, the NCA will level the playing field for everybody, right, where higher GPAs can match up with lower SAT scores to be eligible and lower GPAs can match up with, that's what Coach is doing here, the sliding scale, right? Uh, they'll do that for us for eligibility purposes, but the institutions will make the decisions regarding GPAs and how they relate to standardized test scores. Other questions? Financial aid, scholarships. Oh um, Here we go. <laughs> when you hit campus, you what's smile before like? you said that. You mm -hmm. see him smile? Mm -hmm. He looked right at you. Fall ball, strength and conditioning, academic support. Nobody wants to talk about money? How are we going to pay for this? Oh, boy. All right. You got one right here. Bobby got one right here. All right, here we go. Are you guys ready? Take your phones out, turn on record. I'm going to give this to you straight up. No, tra all total transparency here. All right? Depending on school, there's three different pots of money that you can tap into to help finance your son's education. All right? There is need-based financial aid, which will vary from institution to institution. Some schools are more capable of giving more money if there's need than others. Okay, but that is one pot of money that we can tap into. Uh, as Coach alluded to before, if you were paying attention, there's academic merit money. That is the golden ticket for all of you guys, right? There is far more access to academic merit money than there is to athletic scholarship money, right? But yet it is another pot of money that we can tap into. And then if you're fortunate enough, there's athletic scholarship money, which would be a third pot of money that we can tap into. All right, and Coach before talked about every case being different. All right, and that's very true because every family's income is different, every kid's academic profile is different, and every kid's lacrosse ability is different. And how we split up the three pots of money is gonna vary. And you got to be really careful when you're sitting on the sideline of club games and you hear, well, that kid got a full scholarship to go there. Well, that could be the case, but that full scholarship could be made up of some need-based money, some academic merit money, and some athletic money, right? So a full scholarship could very well happen, right? But there's a pretty good chance that we're tapping into one, two, or three pots of money to get there. And the reason that it's important, and this is the thing that you need to understand, is that they are all linked. They are all linked, okay? In Division One, in the if there's Division Two guys, they'd be better qualified than me to answer this, and the Division Three guys can speak to this also. But in Division One, the scholarship limit is 12.6. Okay, that's 12.6 times the full cost of attendance to that institution. So St. John's. $60,000, multiply that by 12.6, I can spread that sum of money out to my team in any given year. Can't exceed 12.6, don't ever want to not spend 12.6, right? Here's where it becomes linked. If you qualify for some need-based financial aid, your family has need, you fill out the FAFSA form, they determine that your estimated family contribution is this, and there's a gap in the cost of attendance, right? Some schools will make up that gap in the form of financial aid. If I want to give you one dime of athletic scholarship money, that entire grant counts towards my scholarship limit. All right, so let's say you were to get a $10,000 grant, need-based grant to come to St. John's University, and you say, coach, that's great, but 50 grand, I can't afford it. Right? And I say, I'm going to give you $10,000 in athletic money to make it better. Right? Now we're going to get you down to 40 grand. They're going to charge my scholarship limit with all $20,000. Okay? That's, that's a great scenario for you. It's not great for me. 
academic merit money works the same way with one exception, right? So same, same situation. Let's say you're a pretty good student and you get $10,000 of academic merit money and you say, coach, it's great, but it's not enough. And I say, I'm going to give you 10 grand in athletic money to go on top of it. They're going to hit me with all 20 grand towards my lacrosse scholarship limit. Great for you, not great for me. The caveat in that whole thing is if you get a 3.5 GPA, which is a 90 at most schools, or a 1270 on the SAT, or 105 some score on the ACT, then the academic merit money is deemed not countable. All right, so let's go back to the earlier discussion of why it's important to do well in school. You guys want to unlock the key to financial you know, freedom in college? Give us the ability to stack athletic money on top of academic money so that we can combine them at the least possible cost to me. All right, so go back to that $10,000 in academic and $10,000 in athletic. If you were a 3.4 GPA in a 1260 SAT, that's a $20,000 hit to my scholarship limit. If you're a 3.5 GPA or a 1270, you get 10, I'm giving you 10, you get 20, it only costs me 10. That's a better scenario for you, better scenario for me. Once again, academics is the driver in all of that, right? So as we're looking at guys and I'm choosing between coaches here, his academic money doesn't count, his money does count, that's my guy. Right, so that, that's, they're all linked. Um, it only counts after your freshman year, provided your GPA is above a 3.0, right? So it can count in year one, but not count in year two. If you have a 3.0 GPA, that's another element to it. Really, really complicated though. And that's why I would caution you about what you listen to on the sidelines of games. And I would also, the gentleman brought up the question about AP classes and honors classes and things like that. Here's where this gets really complicated, right? That 3.5 GPA that you got taking honors and AP classes is awesome because it helps you admissions wise. It works against you in the form of athletic merit money or academic merit money counting against me, right? Because let's say you got that 3.4 and you've been taking honors and AP classes, right? Well, you may have gotten a 3.6 or a 3.7 if you had taken regular classes. You don't necessarily want to do that. You want your son to set a high bar and you want to, you know, learn to chase, learn to chase things, right? But in the terms of making academic merit money not count, there's a big difference between a 3.4 and a 3.5, right? And then the other thing that I would also caution you about is make sure that the NCAA accepts the weighting for your high school, right? Sometimes they don't. Right? Most public high schools on Long Island, the NCAA does not accept the weighting for their high school. So those kids are taking AP classes and honors classes, and that's awesome. But you know what? In the terms of eligibility, it doesn't matter. And those people are going crazy right now because they've been banging their heads against the wall taking APs and honors, and it's like, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It matters admissions-wise, does not matter eligibility-wise. So make sure you do your homework in that regard. Anybody have anybody confused by that? Really complicated stuff. Really complicated stuff. It's about stuff. the best explanation you're yeah, ever going to get, no, to be completely honest kidding. with you. So the Ivy League, no athletic money. It's only need-based. Uh, the Ivy League's schools in general, the endowments are large, and they give out a, a very good, very generous financial aid. So. They, they can do a lot with their financial aid, but it is 100% need-based financial aid. So they're looking at your FAFSA form and they're telling you what they can give. Correct. But if you have need and you're interested in an Ivy League school and you're admissible, they probably have a greater ability to meet a greater percentage of your need because of the size of their endowment than St. John's does, right? So they can give you more in need-based aid if you qualify than a, a school like St. John's would, even though I can give you athletic money. It's pretty comp it's, it's, it's pretty wild, <laughs> pretty wild. One more question. 
probably going to vary from institution to institution. Yeah. Uh, I can say for us that I'd probably go with 50-50. We have kids that they may contact us freshman year. Uh, we'll start to get correspondence. You know, we're obviously not contacting them back, but they've sent an email of interest. Uh, and then there's probably 50% of guys that we go out and find ourselves. Um, I know, I mean, I can probably speak for these guys. These guys spend a lot of time away from their families. We're out searching, looking for recruits, working every day of the summer. So we're going to see a lot of guys that may not have contacted us that we're going to put out interest for as well. But I, for, for, you know, 50-50 is what I'd say. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say I couldn't tell you. Um, and, and Coach brought up, Coach Cologne brought up a couple of really good things. He brought up a funnel. Brought up, he used a funnel as an example, right? Um, I think one thing that you guys got to understand is that uh, there's 72 Division One lacrosse programs, if I got that number right. Um, if all of us bring in 10 kids in a recruiting class, that's 700 kids that are going to get the chance to play Division One. Look at the number of kids that are playing lacrosse these days. Like, how many start to try to spit out the bottom of the funnel to be the 700 that get the chance to play? Uh, it's impossible for me to keep up with my email. Uh, I'm not good at it to begin with. This week I'll be in Minnesota, today, tomorrow I'll be in Delaware, Wednesday I'll be in Baltimore, Thursday, Friday, in Pennsylvania, Saturday, and Sunday. So I'm not getting a ton of time to spend in front of my email. And it happens to me all the time that I'll see a kid play and I'll call his coach and he'll be like, yeah, he sent an email two weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, he did. Um, so I, I really couldn't, I'm embarrassed to say I couldn't, I couldn't tell you um, how many we end up recruiting where they initiated the process or whether their coach called on their behalf or whether we saw them once, twice, three times and started the initiation process at our end, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about it either, which is kind of a great question because I haven't thought about it. But I would say for the most part, because uh, Detroit is a unique place, uh, you know, I have some trusted people here in Minnesota. I have trusted people in New York. I have trusted people in Ohio and trusted people in, in Indiana. Uh, typically, um, like I knew about, uh, I talked to Bob about seven different kids before I got here. Uh, I typically, will, if I just see a kid and just reach out, I will never do, I'll, I don't think I ever do that, to be completely honest with you, because I just don't do that. It's not been that successful for me. But I will, with some trusted people in certain areas, coaches that know people, Say, hey, I saw this kid. What do you think? Oh, he's not going to be interested in Detroit. He wants to go to Syracuse or whatever. Well, just let me know if he changes his mind or talk to him or something. So I would say just to randomly see a kid and call him out of the blue, I don't ever do that. Um, I will use, you know, Rob Graff, some other folks in the area to kind of get a feel for so who someone is and maybe have them reach out and say, hey, are you interested? In, because we don't want to waste each other's times. I, I today, uh, I haven't looked at, really looked at my emails. I just look at, I have 350 emails in my inbox. It, it, it's, it's tough. Um, so we kind of, I use more of that trusted kind of partner approach with people in, in regions. I, I don't think I've ever, um, in, at least in the last five, six years, just saw a kid and randomly emailed, wow, yeah, I'm really interested in you. So it's, you know. You know, the other crazy thing about email is, like, I remember last last year I went to a thing called the Prep Showcase, which is in Connecticut, and I had a kid send me an email, and I, like, went out of my way to watch that kid play, and I thought he was terrific, right? And I got home to the office, I got home the next day, I picked up the phone, and I called him, and I'm like, you emailed me, I went and watched you play, I thought you were great, would we love to have you down for a visit? And he's like, I'm not really interested in St. John's. And I'm like, well, yeah. what would you, you email me for? Yeah. So... Um, you know, I think it's it's yeah, it's all part of the process. It's all part of the process. It's an inexact science. Yep. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, you could tell a story about a guy that, like, on the contrary, we'll go out and we'll see a guy and we'll try to reach out. But I wouldn't say that there's more of those than not. It's kind of a mixed bag. You know, guys that reach out to us, we like because that shows that they're interested in our program, and we haven't even reached out to them yet. And you know, that's where I go back to like the prospect day thing. If a guy showed up and invested you know, their family's money to come to a prospect day, well, they're obviously inherently interested in our program. But then on the flip side, there's been guys that didn't even know what Manhattan College was, and we call them, and they come visit, and it works out too. So I, I don't know the statistic, but it's pretty inexact.